Our first movie tells the story of a friendship behind prison walls that spans more than 20 years. Welcome to episode 33 of Middle Ground Madness, an exercise in podcast hubris. My name is Derek Gane. Uh I'm Isabel Arf. Hold on just a second. I just need to uh, ask someone something. Uh, hey, can I get some bongos going in the background? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Isabel, later in the, when you're editing this, can you put some bongos behind this? Yeah, there. That sounds great. Cool. Um, uh, so, <laughs> at City Lights on Columbus, uh, they might have have to change the name of that street because as of late, Christopher Columbus is getting a lot of heat. <laughs> I got to ask you. People burning down statues. Yeah, I gotta ask you, did you knock down that statue just after cashing that check that Donald Trump wrote you? I don't get you. You go knocking down statues. Well, maybe I joined you, but I got something better to do. For in this song, I might just take the opportunity to knock down you. And if I may, whoever this song is speaking to, may I suggest that your great, 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 great granddaddy probably ain't no better than the man that got that plaque or that statue. And maybe, as I'm white, I ain't supposed to speak on this. Oh, my God. Well, anyone who tells me that eats fish and chips. Maybe because I'm white, they want me to sound like Dear Prudence, or John Fogarty, or Ted Nugent, or R.E.M. who met his college students. Or that me just singing about the subject is impudent. And hey, <laughs> if Black Lives Matter, why do you live in an all-white neighborhood in Portland, Oregon? I know what of this is. Of course your protests are peaceful, because of, or in Oregon, there are no black people. And why am I even listening to you telling, telling me about race when my girlfriend is Vietnamese? That's right. When I kiss her skin, it tastes sweeter than light girl skin. Can I say that? Is that all right? If a woman who can say that she prefers to be a man to be of a certain height, or that a man with a certain accent is your type, can I say, like, the darker skin woman turned me on more than light? Derek? Oh you can't. I'm snapping Thank my fingers right now. Um, uh, Mark Cosell is a excerpt. huge fan. <laughs> it's an excerpt from uh, the song "Full of Life" by Mark Kozlik of Sun Kill Moon on his new album "Lunch in the Park." Oh Derek, my God, apparently, <laughs> getting incredibly accused of sexual assault by three different women turns you into a crazy person uh, who oh. can no longer write lyrics because that is what Mark Kozlik decided. Hey, this is what I need to let people know. Yo. My opinions on Black Lives Matter is that. I have a Vietnamese girlfriend, and I don't think you should burn down a statue. Oh, my God. Okay. And also, there's no <laughs> black people in Portland, and R.E.M. met his college students. Okay. There's a lot so, going on there. Can I talk but I want I want to get your thoughts. Yes, can I talk earnestly about Mark Kozlik for two seconds? <laughs> sure. I was going to actually quote like some of his good lyrics to be like, hey, this is what okay, he okay, 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 okay. <laughs> okay. So, Mark, I think the instant... That Mark Kozlik started losing his fucking marbles is when he fe started feuding with the war on drugs. <laughs> yes, I was literally going to say that because you were a big fan of the war on drugs. I love not the, the war on not, drugs. Not the nineties policy or the not 80s not not stuff. not the Reagan shit. Not the not the Clinton shit. I I I am pro drugs, but I'm also pro Philadelphia rock band, the war on drugs. 
I think I, I just I, I, I like the way they sound, man. Um, um, <laughs> it's no, no. The second I think you could pinpoint. I think I know exactly when it's Ottawa, the Ottawa Blues Fest, where both were on drugs and Mark Koslick or, or Sun Kill Moon played at the same time. And Mark Koslick got pissed off that they were so fucking loud. <laughs> and I God. think that's because I, because I like some of the, red, like, I like the Red House Painters. I like a couple of the Sun Kill Moon albums. Mark Koslick, bad dude. But the, the second it started turning was his feud with the War on Drugs. <laughs> It was and like immediately so after. It was immediately after Benji, which, which is weird because it was like his most critically his most acclaimed record in, in in forever. Yeah, and like his best album under Sun, the Sun Kill Moon name. Like great, I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Great album. I've heard most of them. Really great album. And like I, I love the Red House House Painter, especially like those first three albums. I think are still great. I think that Benji still holds up. Like parts of it are a little bit uh, eh. But A, it's really good, and also it led the way to uh, uh, A Crow Looked at Me and Now Only by uh, Mount Erie. Do you uh, remember like, the Philip... fucking diss track that Mark Kozilek wrote? Sure do. To the, to the War on Drugs, <laughs> which I, if memory serves was called War on Drugs, Suck My Cock. Yep. Sure was. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, this is a man. Who, okay, so uh, we just Mark, read some of the lyrics from Lunch in the Park. Yeah, let's talk about... Problematic dude and formerly gifted songwriter Mark Koslick. Mark Koslick got yeah. issues. Yeah, but, you know, seven seven years ago he wrote a song called Carissa, and the chorus mm. of Carissa is Carissa awesome was thirty five. You don't just raise two kids and take out your trash and die. She was my second cousin. I don't know her well at all, but that don't mean that I wasn't meant to find some poetry to make some sense of this to find a deeper meaning. In this senseless tragedy, oh Carissa, I'll sing your name across every sea, which is. Beautiful. I think I, I I feel comfortable saying that that's really beautiful. Like it gave me chills reading it right now. There's like there's a fine line that uh, there's a fine line between like earnestness and creepiness that yeah all over Benji and, and like, that all over the Mark Cross like songbook he just kind of like just mm-hmm. stomps all over just gleefully. Yes. And this is the same guy who then wrote and I said hey are you saying it don't matter because they were drug dealing gang banging or chasing someone else's tang. They said, well, all that stuff you just mentioned is felonious. I said, no, you are erroneous. Same guy. Like, you know, some, some people lose it, you know? This is your brain. This is your brain on being Mark Kozlik for too long. Ah, oh, God. Mar- Mark Kozlik. Oh, God. I can't think about Mark Kozlik anymore. It's too sad. Okay, so instead, we should um, talk about some uh, movies, I guess. About some movies that are... Uh... Pretty pretty good on average. If I'm looking at the slate for today, yeah, pretty good on average. Oh oh, and uh, uh, Ramadan. Oh, sorry, Ramadan Mubarak for anyone who celebrates, including myself. So hey, there you go. Uh, th- this should be released during. I think if I did my math right, the second or third week of Ramadan. Uh, don't quote me on that. When is this coming out? I don't actually know. That's why I'm kind of guessing. Uh, assuming that the next episode Thursday, is next week. Uh, I-, I think this comes out. Th- Third week of April? Okay, so yeah, that's uh, the second week of Ramadan. Not that it really matters. Either way, um, blessed Ramadan for everyone celebrating. Derek? Yes? This is not yet an entirely Muslim podcast. No. I'm working on it. But until (laughs) then... You're not working on it very hard. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not really putting much effort into my proselytizing, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gearing up, getting there. 
It's gonna be a very uh, I mean, we were, we were all born Muslims, so... <laughs> um, <laughs> referencing things that most people don't know about. Anyways, Derek. Is that is that movies. a Richard Dawkins reference? No, that's actually like, like a thing in Islam. Is oh, okay. is like the belief that everyone is born Muslim, and essentially you can either... That, that's why actually most people don't say convert, they say revert. Like, you reverted to Islam. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know, don't, don't know how I feel about it. But anyways, <laughs> I have maybe some complicated feelings about my religious observation. Derek, that's not what we're talking about today. Nope. Probably. We, we are talking not, uh, we're not talking about something so uh, so important as uh, uh, as uh, someone's spiritual awakening. We're talking about the fucking movies. Uh, four movies specifically, because on this show, the gimmick of the show is uh, uh, all these years ago. I could say all these years ago because we started this shit in 2018. Uh, Isabel came uh, came to me with uh, a big old list of movies and says, we should figure out which one of these is the best one and uh, use the bulletproof methodology of single elimination brackets to figure out which one of those it is. And I said, we should add a couple of movies there so that the bracket is, you know, even and works. And then we started this show. So our gimmick is we try to find the best movie from the two, uh, the top 250 movies of all time, according to the internet database, plus six ringers that we've chosen to make it a nice, even 256 seed bracket. We are now commencing the second half of the first round. We are on the downward slope towards the end of round one. <sighs> Fuck. Which means by the time we get to the end of round one, we still have half through? of the podcast to go because we'll have done half of the matchups. Uh, we do two matchups per episode. Uh, that's four movies a show. And these are the two matchups that we're going to be doing today. Uh, Amelie versus Shutter Island and Raiders of the Lost Ark versus Nazca of the Valley of the Wind. So, shall we get to it? Oh, and this is going to come into play. We have vetoes in case oh, we have shit. ties. That's ominous. Fuck. That's, um, the e- eagle-eared listeners might remember that I've sort of placed a trail of clues oh, no. Over the first half of the show, leading up to this episode, um, oh, this is uh, going to be a fight. There's uh, at the beginning of the uh, of round one, we each got four vetoes, basically an extra vote. These votes mm-hmm. stack so that if we disagree and I put a veto, if Isabel puts a veto, she wins, and then if I put another veto over that, I win. How bad do you want it? I don't like the, this setup, <laughs> but. Uh, Isabel has, uh, if, if memory two. serves, Isabel has two and I have three. I believe that's correct because you move forward uh, Raging Bull. Raging Bull and you moved then ahead. Then move forward Three Idiots in Your Name. Is that right? That's right. That yes. is correct. So let's get started. Great films, both of them. <laughs> I mean, they I, are. I, they, they're fucking great. I mean, I think Three but, Idiots is okay. And I think that uh, uh, we, we've talked about this. And I think uh, Your Name is good. I don't think it's better than Gone Girl, but whatever. <laughs> Your name is is one of the best melodramas of the of the new century, but I mean I, I do wish that Five Centimeters a Second was on here instead because I think it's actually a better film, um, just I barely. I think, think it just I it would agree. I think Five um, Centimeters is slightly better. I know but, you're uh, a big you fan know. of uh, the Place Promised to Us in our early days. I am, which I would put uh, about which, on par with uh, with uh, uh, your name actually. Yeah, I was a little cold on that one, but uh, I probably I'm going to watch it again because the only two I have left to watch of his are Garden of Words, which is under an hour, and The Children Who Chase Lost Voices, which is over two hours. Yeah, JB uh, really likes Garden of Words. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I, I feel like I will too. I think it's okay. <laughs> Our first and, matchup. And, oh, oh go ahead. No, no go it's ahead. fine. We don't need to talk about Makoto Shinkai anymore. I, I was mean, just going to say like I have. Uh, I'm like 
I'm I'm also just a fangirl for Makoto Shinkai. Like I think I think Makoto Shinkai is fucking awesome. I think it's like yeah. on the Mount Rushmore of like current the sort of animated direct animation directors from Japan. I'll just say that I own multiple like manga and prose book adaptations of his work that he I, helped co-author. I don't. Isabel's a bigger fan than I am. Um, I will say the the manga and novelization of. Uh, I guess we oh are God, talking about Makoto Shinkai. <laughs> his first one, uh, the voice star voices of a distant star. Voices of a distant star, which the actual like short is very ugly. <laughs> like like the animation's not great. The but, faces uh, are weird looking. The anim- yeah, the faces good, are real. The faces bad. are weird. Yeah, um, but the uh, I would highly recommend the novelization, which actually goes more in depth to it. Uh, it's really good, a, and she, she and her premise. cat novelization is really good. Um, you know what's really heartbreaking is this fucking advertisement he did. Uh, we're, we're, we can do this when we do the, your name. We were so. already doing it. No, because we need to like. I, I need like. I have to wake up at fucking four a.m. tomorrow. All right, and uh, okay, all right. So yeah, we should probably get, we should probably get going. Uh, look yeah, up. And I still look, theoretically got to like poke a bunch of needles in myself tonight to practice. So I will not inquire further. <laughs> uh, you are, let's get, you already get the idea. You already know this whole thing. Doesn't even matter. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure if I put two and two together, I could figure it out. Listeners, our first ma- our first <laughs> ask for my not safe for work Twitter if you want to know more. Our first uh, matchup. Uh, I don't know some of that. Shit, uh, <laughs> we're not getting into it. We're going into our first matchup. Uh, it's going to be. If you want to get okay. into us, email us. Yeah, email not us really. middlebrownmadness at uh, email us at forgoodtimepod at gmail.com. I'm actually making uh, uh, Juan watch a movie pretty soon. That is. Uh, real rough in terms of that. That's going to require need- a lot of content warnings. I don't know. Needle shit kind of grosses me out. <laughs> oh, it's more like like large meat skewers, but hey. Well, it, 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 same deal, I think, right? No, um, well, um, a meat skewer is like, going to be like way more painful and leave more of a like a thing. Yeah, it's like, bigger. Like, like needles, like the biggest needles I have are like 16 gauge, which is not that big. I think it's more conceptually. <laughs> okay, copy. Um, anyways. Our first matchup. <laughs> Please. I beg of you. Uh, Go okay. for it. Fucking do All it. Right. 85 Seed. Uh, Amélie, a.k.a. Le Fabuleux Destin d'Amélie Poulain, released in 2001. Uh, directed by Jean-Pierre Genet. Written by Guillaume Laurent, starring Audrey Totou, Mathieu Kassovitz. You might remember this name from earlier in the pod. Um, Rufus, Serge Merlin, and Clotilde Mollet. $10 million budget, $172 million take, 0 for 5 at the Oscars that year, but 4 for 12 at the César Awards, which are the French Oscars. I believe it was Best Film, Best Director, and a couple of other awards I don't remember, and don't bother to look up now. Versus the 172 seed, Shutter Island, directed by, uh, released in 2000 and... Fuck, I didn't write it down. 2010? Yeah, 2000, yeah 2010. Versus number 172... Or the 172 seed Shutter Island, released in 2010, directed by Martin Scorsese, written by uh, Laeta uh, hmm, Laeta Calogridis, based on the book of the same name by Dennis Lehane, starring uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Mark Ruffalo, Ben Kingsley, and Michelle Williams. $80 million budget, $299 million take. A real fucking phenomenon. Uh, but no, but no accolades really to speak of. This was kind of shut out of uh, award season buzz. Which is I mean, weird. It's a genre film. It's not a real film, so... It's a fake movie. Yeah. And well, it is kind of a fake movie, but we'll get to that. Yes. Um, uh, but first, let's talk about Emily. Let's talk about Emily Poulain. Which yeah. is really uh, interesting, because I think we both have a weird history with this movie, and have a different impression of it now. 
Sure. Um, I, I'm just going to have to like focus really hard the entire time to not think of like Justin McElroy in my head saying anything. Um, huh? Is there a bit about Yeah, there's Amelie? like an, a, a recurring bit. All oh, of the Mabim Bam fans out there, the real heads. Yeah, I guess I'm not a real this. head. To be fair, I haven't listened so, for like three months. But Amelie, let's go for Am- it. Amelie Prunet. So February Destiny Amelie Prunet is, okay, so this was a fucking phenomenon with a giant tail, at least yeah. in the Francophonie where, where I where I pitch my tent. Anyway, so anyway, this movie comes out in 2001, and basically... Back when we were still innocent. This is before 9-11. This is before 9-11. Um, uh, and basically... We didn't know movies um, could be bad then. <laughs> uh, how does one even say? Uh, at the risk of sounding reductive, it kind of... It kind of warps the dating pool for all of my high school and college because (laughs) this is because this was like kind of a touch tone of like a specific type of person. Hmm. And we were not wise to the ways of what a manic pixie dream girl was necessarily back then, even though we Nathan Raven hadn't invented it. Nathan, the great Nathan Raven had not uh, had not uh, yet invented. I wonder if he still has me blocked on Twitter. This has come up before. Nathan Raven. He used to follow me. I don't, let's see if he does still. Oh, he used to follow me too, but oh, he's probably not on Twitter anymore. No, he definitely is. He's, I'm, I can see him. Follows me. Ha! That was way too loud. But yes, he still follows me. What's his at? De- um, at Nathan Raven. Oh, weird. I guess Did I can't see it because I'm blocked. Yeah, ages ago. Oh, shit. I don't know why. I wish him happy birthday once and he got fucking squicked, I guess. How dare you. To be fair, I think he muted me a very, very long time ago. But... Yeah... Uh, Unless, uh, like, Nathan Raven is just silently listening to, like, me talk yeah, about I can't Tom fo- all the time. Yeah, I can't follow him. He's, I'm or still blocked by Nathan Raven. Saying in all caps, Amelie, fuck the dyke. Petition for Amelie to fuck the dyke. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Which this is true. Was, I mean... What was you doing, Amelie? That fucking, like, skinny little twink you ended up with? Loser. That dude's directed that a suit? That dude directed that oh, aim. Is that the... Oh, shit. I didn't That's actually That's Spencer Cassavitz. That's the guy. Okay. That's the rules. I, was I wasn't sure what you were referencing you... before. No, no, no. It's like Metsu Kasovitz. Uh, I got wh- blinded by the lesbian. I mean... As I often do. As as as, as you would do. Um, no, uh, I was going to get to that, but, I mean, I'll, I'll get back to it. Uh, I think this movie was very influential in, like, in, like, the women in my circle, because I also was, like, a film student at that point. And goddamn people loved Amy Lee. Holy shit. They, they loved her carefree attitude and her sense of wonder. They loved, uh... They loved her, 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 uh, her haircut and her mannerisms. Um, and here's the thing with her, her mannerisms is that uh, she commits several, uh, uh, several crimes in, order, in the name of wonderment. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of like, I think looking back, this, this movie, like the parts that I, re- I didn't remember all of this movie. The parts that I did remember are like Yan Sersian's fucking twee-ass score. It's like, how can we... How can we play to like what foreigners think France sounds like? Lots of piano and Celeste and accordion. Just fucking ham, baby. And I remembered that. I remembered Audrey Totu's very deep, very brown eyes. I remembered all the sort of Diet Wes Anderson shit that happens in the movie, but I didn't remember how fucking weird and dark and horny this movie was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm much the same where I... I saw this movie when I was probably like, I don't know, like 16 or something like that. It was mm. a decent amount after it came out. I think that it didn't really actually influence that much of my friend or high school circle because we were just a bunch of like goobs in the Midwest. 
Yeah, I think uh, you, if you have like if you're if you have like a certain strain of Gallicism in you, if you're like a French Canadian, or 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 are like uh, at the risk of sounding like completely gross, a Francophile. Bleh. <laughs> um, th- this was a highly influential film. You know, we're just a bunch of like Krauts and Poles around the fucking Chicagoland oh. area. Love Chicago. I can say that because I'm both of those things. It's like I can I can say all these bad things that I've been saying. Don't worry, everyone. <laughs> Don't worry. I have permission. <laughs> I got a paper and everything. I have permission. Like when when I became a lesbian, they gave me a card that said, "Hey, you can say the word." I was like, "Oh, thank God, finally." You just tweet it um, out randomly. Yeah, I can just I can just say it whenever I want. No one can stop me. They they don't have the they can't like the police can't even touch me anymore. Anyway, I got a special spreadsheet where I know what people can say what words, <laughs> and that's why I'm a good ally. Uh, a great tweet from one Derek Odin. Ah, uh, that's one um, I think that's one of my best ones. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, and I remember you ran by us in the in the chat <laughs> to make hey, sure listen. it was not offensive. <laughs> Uh, which is fair. Hey, better to do that than to not. Better to do that than have a heated gaming moment. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this was like, I really only saw this because um, I had a friend who was very much the kind of person who would watch it, but I remember not liking it. I remembered very much not liking it and feeling it was very twee and very yeah. kind of overbearing, and which it is I, yeah, in certain this, ways. This gave, but, this gave me a twee allergy that lasted my entire 20s, and I don't think yeah. it deserved that. I will say that like, I weirdly like actually liked Delicatessen and City of Lost Children quite a bit. Yeah, those are both uh, uh, those are both films that Jeanette did with one Mark Caro, who was his uh, who was his partner in writing yeah. and directing. And on rewatch, I have a much more shaded opinion. I guess I'd say of it. It's not the monolithic like piece of shit I thought it was. It's not even really sure. a piece of shit. It's a pretty decent movie. Like I I'm, liked it. I'm a little thrown off by like why this was the thing that caught on for everybody. Besides, like, I think it's because Audrey besides Audrey Tattoo, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think that's a. I think that that that'll do it. You know, you know, he's very cute. Did. Although I, I will say this is one of those situations where I'm like, okay, she's very, she's a very pretty woman, and I guess she has some charisma, but I don't really have much more than that for her. If that makes sense. She, I mean, she has. She's like. She's not like fucking Rita Hayworth or whatever. She's like a working actress. She's good, but like she's not like a generational talent, you know? It's like yeah. it was the perfect time and the perfect look for like cuz also the way that uh Emily dresses was also highly influential with like the like the the giant soled shoes and the shabby blazers and no, it was I tell you in the right circles this was like a fucking this was like a Rosetta Stone. Oh, I believe you. Just, I wasn't in those circles, let's say. Right. Yeah. And it's still the highest grossing French language film in the United States. So, hey. No shit. Yeah. Um, made, So let's see, uh, $33 million in the United States. That's not nothing. That's not nothing, especially for a film that you have to read subtitles for. Yeah, Americans Which Americans are notoriously averse to. Um, like, so I said that this movie is like dark and weird and horny. This movie starts, has a body count within like the first five minutes. <laughs> Yes. Like, you know, there's like, a, there's like a suicide in the beginning of this movie that's played for last. A suicide that leads to a death of her mother. That's right. And the whole thing, and, and it hit me like a ton of bricks this time, that this is, a, okay, so this is ostensibly a romantic comedy about uh, Audrey Totou, who plays uh, Amélie Poulet, and uh, writer-director of La Haine, Mathieu Kasovitz, who plays her, her like, beau or whatever. Um... Uh, basically, uh, play a little cat and mouse game across Paris in a very, very twee way. 
there's a uh, there's a there's a photo mat that's that's that that's involved. There's um, you know there's like cases of mistake and it's very French. It's all very French. Um, but the thing is, this is like the deep plot. There's a ton of shit that happens in this movie that has nothing to do with Mitsukasovitz. He just kind of hangs yeah, out. Yeah, like that just kind of happens at the end of it. It's it, it was a little bit jarring to me. I'll be honest. It hangs out on the marge. It, 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 that kind of hangs out on the marge. This is a movie about sort of the characters. Let me tell you, they're fucking characters in this movie. They they're all like uh, they're like there's like the sort of uh, vegetable. There's like the the uh, the sort of grocer downstairs. There's a complete dickhead. There's the landlady who uh, who still pines over long lost love. And there's uh there's a fucking there's a fucking Sam Jackson character from Unbreakable who lives in the building across who's got yes. brittle bones who makes copies of like like Monet paintings or is it Manet? Which one of those guys is in the is the impressionist? Wait, I thought it was Renoir. Uh, Renoir. There we go. Um. Uh. So yeah. So Captain Brittle Bones over there. <laughs> maybe maybe that's insensitive. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> it's my favorite Les Claypool track. Nice. Um. But uh, so this is a movie that's it's Quirk City, baby. It's a lot of it's a lot of like it's a lot of affect. But the parts of the movie that aren't affect are like really strange. Like Matsu Kasavitz works in a sex shop and it's like played as like kind of a joke. And the whole movie is like in a fucking piss yellow tint. It's shot by Bruno Dubonel. And it looks like a fucking serial killer film. It looks like it's, it looks like fucking seven. Well, it's kind of uh, uh, his thing, right? Like Delic Tesson looks very, very similar. Yeah, it's very. It's well, to be fair, Delicatessen is like a post-apocalyptic film as well. Yeah, whereas Amelie is supposed to be like a bright and colorful romantic comedy, quote unquote. It is that, but it. I think <clears throat> what it does is it gives, in addition to all the other sort of magic realist shit, is like this. It gives the sense of this universe a kind of otherworldly, sort of fantastical quality. It's a universe that is not ours, but is very close to ours, right? Sure. I also but, think it gives it a it maybe maybe it implies some of the darkness that we're seeing instead of being all bright colors like it's like I don't know like Matilda. I don't know why it's the thing I'm thinking of, but like in my Matilda's mind, if you take away the tint, uh, well, if you take away the tint, I feel like this movie looks like Matilda. Whereas sure. Matilda, plenty plenty dark as far as like as far as like a uh, palette goes. Yes, um, but this film is kind of almost hinting at there's there's some real squicky weird things going on underneath. Like there's definitely a stalker slash like abusive partner in part of this thing that is just kind of played off as like oh like oh 100 percent yeah let, let's put him off with like the hypochondriac woman it's like huh that seems not great what are you, <laughs> what is your plan here because none of this is a great idea but um, yeah that's not great yeah and um, uh, there's there's a bigger straussian reading as i mentioned to you of this entire sure. film uh that we will probably talk about but I think just as as like a whole piece, I enjoyed this much more than I thought I would. Uh, yeah, there's a me lot of too. really good stuff going on. Uh, there's a couple of good jokes, and I'd, like you said, the stuff that moves away from just the quirk, I think, is a lot more affecting and a lot more effective. Yes. And a lot of gaslighting in the film, which is a th- you know, yeah, sure, it's 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 weird. It's it's, it's, it's weird. like it's because well, Amelie's kind of a, a fucking evil person. She's kind like, of a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> like she, she's kind of awful. Um, there's a but... date. There's a date. There's a. I, you know what? I bet if you went in and did like a Steven Soderbergh style edit and just swapped out Jan Silsen's score with Bernard Herrmann's score from Psycho. <laughs> yeah, it's this is a completely different fucking movie because Metsu Kasavitz works in a set shop. There's a peep show in this movie. There's a compilation. There's a quick cut gag of a compilation of orgasms. I mean, yeah. 
this is kind of a weird movie. There's a deep melancholy to the to the uh, to the Olegito character, which is yeah, not not addressed, but it's there. Well, it's never the thing that she kind of says out loud, but yeah, she's clearly like, like very lonely and very separate from everyone else, and she doesn't feel connected with many people, and she yeah, wants she... to like find ways to do that, but she's not sure what it is. Even when she's doing like like kind of what sets the whole plot off, if you somehow haven't seen Amelie, um, is that Amelie. Um, after being startled by like Princess Di b- dying. Oh yeah, this is set in the late nineties too. Yeah. Um after being startled by that, she like drops a thing that makes her dislodge like a wall tile and finds like a metal box of like childhood stuff from someone mm-hmm. who used to live there. And she's like, okay, I'm gonna hunt this person down and try to give it back to them. And eventually she does, but even then she doesn't like give it to him. She has like a really roundabout way where she doesn't actually have to confront him or talk to him to give it to him. It's very, like, everything feels very at her move or secondhand, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like she's, not, she's not present in her own life. Yeah, I think she, she feels unmoored. And, she, and uh, she, she feels like she can't control her own life, so she tries to control that of other people. I mean, yeah. in these very small ways, using some insidious means, but it's, 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 it's a much weirder film than I remembered. Yeah, and I think that there's, like... If this were to be a film that moved on, which I don't think it will, but if it were I to be a film that moved so. on, um, I would probably the next time I watch it, look at that reading specifically and that kind of like sadder reading and the way that, you know, the way that people attempt to get control by controlling others and the way it doesn't usually work out, except in here where it works out almost 100%. Um, besides like one or two little hiccups there. This is like David if David uh, David Fincher were French and tried to direct a romantic comedy. Uh, yeah. and some people would say some people would say that uh, David Fincher has already directed a romantic comedy, uh, Gone Girl. Oh, but those people one. are insane. Oh no! Uh, hey, I agree. With, I agree with Juan on that one. I just Juan want Girl it on wax that comedy. I think that's fucking insane. It's a very funny film. <laughs> I just and wanted it on wax. It's it's got Rosamund Pike from Doom, so. Yeah, it's also got Ben Affleck from Mallrats. Hey, that's two great comedic roles. <laughs> two great uh, tastes that great together. Mallrats plus Doom. I, I have a Steelbook <laughs> Blu-ray of Doom. Yo, that sounds like... Like, I have Mallrats in my DVD collection. I mean, that sounds like basically my afternoon in, high, in like late high school. Yeah, the Doom movie's There's pretty this... good. Mallrats is fine. Mallrats is all right. So let's talk about Shutter Island, which we, is a movie yeah, sure. that... When I saw in 2010, I thought was okay. That was fine. I didn't get it. Um, I was like, I think I was thrown for a loop. Was well, I was also a child and stupid. But I was like, I think I went in with a certain set of expectations that the movie did not conform to, because I rewatched it for this show and I thought this is one of the best movies of 2010. <laughs> yeah, a hundred. I'd never seen it before, and I went in with lowered expectations because. I never hear people talk about like, oh, this is one of like Scorsese's great films. Like this is like, oh, it's a film Scorsese made after like The Departed and stuff. When like he's theoretically on like a downslope. I think you need to be a certain level of head to be like, yo, yo, fucking Shutter Island is where it's at. And I don't think I encountered a lot of people who are like, oh, Shutter Island. But now it's like, no, clearly this is like a great movie by a master filmmaker. Yeah, I, I... It immediately shot to one of my top five um, of all time, like for 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 Scorsese, I should say, not not of like all time in general, but of, of Scorsese. 
don't like, know if I, I think it's it top five, but it's very for good. me. It's it's up there with like Bringing Out the Dead and uh, the King of Comedy and The Last Temptation of Christ. Like I would consider those all kind of neck and neck in my brain. I recently watched The uh, Last Temptation of Christ for the first time, not on this list, so I could talk about it here. And that movie is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, Willem Dafoe. What a wonderful Jesus he is. Yep. Uh, Harvey Cattell with some great red hair going on. I I I read up on the Wikipedia page for that movie. And obviously, like a lot of people gave him shit for uh, gave Harvey Cattell shit for like not trying to do an accent, but it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, like who who gives a shit? <laughs> who gives a shit? They're not speaking like Aramaic or whatever. Just this fucking is <laughs> is fucking Harvey Keitel playing Judas? What more do you fucking want? Yeah, it, I mean, it reminds me a lot of when people would get mad at like. Uh, Kingdom of God or like Troy or Ro- or like any of those things set in like the medieval times or the pre-medieval Everyone has like times. an English accent. Everyone has like an English accent or they don't give a shit. Like they don't even try. And it's like, well, those are both equally bad choices. Like who really actually cares? Like none of the, neither of those are the accurate to the era. So just yeah. go with it. And as long as yeah, it's not it jarring matter. me from there, as long as like, you, you know, you get what I'm saying. I, I, I didn't want yeah. to call anyone out. But yeah. No, no, no. It's like, like, come on. Your your suspension of disbelief is sturdy enough to buy Harvey Keitel as Judas. Come on, you've made it this far. You're watching a <laughs> film about Jesus. Hey, a film re- about Jesus. There was no film in Jesus's time. The, see, foolproof. Not even Super Eight. Fuck then. <laughs> nope. I guess you could probably do some very primitive animation with like stone tablets, but you know, the the mediums come a long way since then. Got to have a bunch of different slaves to like move those real fast. Oh, um. No. <laughs> Shut her hey, up. That was that was the time, you know? I'm just I'm just trying to <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> oh, you know, some, sometimes like like Abraham Lincoln said some problematic things about black people. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> you know? Are we gonna can the people to do it? We're gonna cancel Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> okay, here's I'm actually gonna sh- gonna gonna be bitchy about one thing for a second. Okay, go about I really about, about Abraham about, Lincoln. Okay, alright. So I mean, besides the fact that, like, you know, uh, uh, he suspended habeas corpus. Um, but more importantly, uh-huh. uh, and that was in one location for a short period of time. Regardless, that's not the thing I'm talking about here. The thing I'm talking about is, like, I really hate when I hear people who are like, well, when you consider in the context of the times, actually this person wasn't racist. And we have to give them credit for that. And then, like, especially when talking about slavery, this is the big thing. Like, oh, the founding fathers, like, for their time were very progressive. And I'm like, no, they weren't. Like, not they, really. that's not. It's like not even a fact. Like, Benjamin Benjamin Lemay was a Quaker who was very staunchly abolitionist. Like, 50 years before that, like, did a bunch of stunts to try to like push abolition. Um, you had like abolitionism was a fucking thing then. You have like later on, you have John Brown before the Civil War. You have hey, the fucking slaves who knew that it was a bad thing to do. That they like. This seems like a bad a idea. Was, yeah, when they're like, oh, people back then didn't know. I'm like, okay, very specific no, people had a cultural conception that it was okay. A lot of people fucking knew, including the people who were harmed by this thing. I just hate when people say that kind of shit. Like, if you're talking about, like, specific word use, fine. But if we're talking about, like, larger, broader, like, action, I think it's a ridiculous claim to make. Anyways. It's fine that it's okay that a president was not progressive. No president ever has been. It's okay. Yes. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. You can hate every president. I've been doing it for like 20 years now, and it's going great for me. Shutter Island, then. <laughs> the right thing is you're never wrong. Shutter Island. Derek, I don't want to... I want to, like, 
pause my like bigger thing on Shutter Island in a second and just talk about it as like a like a film film. Does that make sense? Sure, because um, not to, not to blow up our spot, but I suspect this goes on. Yes, I mean, I still want to talk about like my general thesis in this uh-huh. thing, but more just yeah. like, like yeah, like if you want, like I know you have like a bigger bit, like that's more specific. But yes, we could talk about the the film qua film, yeah, uh, Shutter Island. I, mean, I would just start um, by saying it's way fucking weirder than I was led to believe it would be. It's a lot weirder than I. Both these movies more weird than I remembered. There's a um, lot of like different things going on in Shutter Island that. I like it for two reasons. One is that it feels very otherworldly and like kind of like, why did he make that? Why does Martin Scorsese make that decision? Like the fucking weird whip pans early on and how terrible had, the CGI water looks. See, this kind of ties into something that I think might have thrown me off is that when I first saw this movie, I just saw that as maybe cheap special effects, unconvincing special effects. Whereas revisiting it now, it's a clue. This is Martin Scorsese telling you, don't believe your eyes. Yes. Same thing with the whip pants. For people who um, haven't seen the film and don't know the twist, you probably have already guessed it. Um, Leonardo mm-hmm. DiCaprio is actually one of the inmates on this uh, sanitarium island. On, Sh- on Shutter Island, yes. Yes. And he was never a detective. He was uh, essentially being allowed to play detective because, uh, what's his name? Uh, the The... The, the dude. Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley. Uh, yeah, the dude. Uh, when Ben Kingsley is like, hey, maybe this will work. Let's give this a shot. Let's give this a shot. Yeah. And it doesn't for reasons that are very interesting. And I have some really weird opinion. Like, like I think it's a really interesting final line in the movie. Um, but What's the final line of the movie? Uh, refresh my memory. Um, would it be better to live as a monster or to die as a good man? Mm. Uh, yeah, the, the ending is really, really interesting. Uh, we should point out uh, that this basically starts off as a detective film and ends as like a psychological drama. Yeah, I, I think uh, maybe, <clears throat> it's a pretty strong shift kind of like halfway through. Mm-hmm. And also, it's got one of the deepest character actor benches. Yeah, holy this shit. Side. It's, like all it's, of a sudden, I was like, oh, Ted Levine's here for like a scene. Cool. Yeah, couple, Elias Cody is. Oh, I know you. John yeah, Carroll Lynch, our hero. John Carroll Lynch, the best. Jackie Earl Haley. Um, Fucking uh, Patricia Clarkson is in one scene. <laughs> and destroys it. Kills it. Um, Emily Mortimer. Yeah, Jackie Earl Haley's in one scene. Emily Mortimer's in a couple scenes. Um, and like, yeah, it's like, this is like an act, an actorly bonanza. And I know we love, we know, we love it when Leo says duly, append, duly appointed federal marshals. But Leo's <laughs> really good in this. Ruffalo's yeah, really, really good in this. I, th- I think that, that the way that's, that um, DiCaprio kind of shapes his arc throughout the movie is really really effective and then i've in many ways i've grown kind of tired of a lot of dicaprio's like big acting moments i'm like okay i've seen you scream and cry before i've seen you do the whole fucking revenant thing let's just yeah not i've seen you looted out and i've seen you looted out in fucking uh wolf of wall street yeah but like when um we see what happens with his wife, where his wife essentially drowned the children. Not essentially. She did drown their children. And he yeah, realizes what happened. He, it's so like heartbreaking and so well acted. And you just feel his entire world crumble around as he's like coming in there. Because he does the big no, right? Yeah. He does, like, he does like the thing you're not supposed to do, right? <laughs> yeah. But he nails it. He's, it turns out yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio, pretty decent actor. Turns out. Academy Award winner. 
Yeah. Some would say for the wrong movie. I've not yeah, seen The Revenant, would. so I wouldn't know. Um, Revenant is a movie. Here's what I'll say. Yes. Revenant is a movie I wrote a whole essay about. You can go read it on Dimming the House Lights. Oh, right. And ah, I forgot about that. I have better feelings about it now than I do back then, but I feel like if I watched it again, my feelings would go back down. It's a movie that's really good to remember, but not good to watch. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slog from what I understand. Yeah, it's got some beautiful images, though. Some real beautiful mm. images. Tom Hardy's in that, right? Uh, Yeah. I think he plays the main antagonist. Is that right? I think that's true. It's been a while um, so, since I've seen The Revenant. Um, anyways. So, Shutter Island kind of... So, as, uh, as, uh, as I insinuated earlier, uh, this kind of grew way up in my estimation. Because... In part because I think I've become a, a better film viewer in the decade and change since I first saw it. Because I could see what was, quote, wrong with the movie the first time around. And why Martin Scorsese did the things that he did. I understand why the choices were taken. It's all about feel and disorientation. And because I think one of the issues when I, when I first saw it was like, oh, this is just about paranoia or whatever. But it's closer to a film about psychosis and trauma yeah. than it is about just sort of stock paranoia. Yeah, it's a film about and, like what people do when they can't accept the actual answers to things. Yes. And that those answers are horrific and terrifying. Yeah, it's like you're, when the answer is, well, it's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, either, it's either it's your fault or certain things happen that can't be taken back and you have no way of ever changing and they're going to ruin the rest of your life forever. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, uh, like I, I've, I told you two major, major things. Number one is I think that this is a QAnon movie um, in the sense that it is a movie about people who fall into QAnon. And any other conspiracy theory, um, and like also falling into basically, basically into their own logicals, like by like you know, uh, uh, like but like falling into like feedback loops, basically, like the yeah. the explanation explains the explanation. Yeah, because it's it, that's way easier. Even though it's it's like it's like scary, and there's like a lot of like horror to it. Just like there's a lot mm-hmm. of horror to like when Leo first hits the island. It's definitely a horror movie, but yeah. Uh, like there's a lot of horror to it, but it makes sense. It's explainable. Like, hey, here I got the conspiracy worked out. I've got a like a start and end point to this. We're going for it. Whereas the actual answer is that sometimes things just kind of happen randomly. A lot of these systems that are the problem are really fucking complicated, and some of the things are in are good, some of the things in are bad. It requires like cultural context and historical and political context. It's a lot. Whereas if you just say, oh, here's the answer. I already learned it. It was a conspiracy. We got it. You're done. And I think in many ways that that's QAnon is a, and other conspiracy theories are a way to retreat from uncomfortable realities and from a lack of power and control over a situation. But I also think, uh, I said this to you, I think this is uh, Marty's, uh, Marty's version of Histoire du Cinema. Histoire du Cinema. The, the, the Godard yeah, film. The, the Godard video project. Yes. Which essentially is a film about how film didn't stop the Holocaust. Which sounds very reductive when I say it like that. And I don't mean it to, because I'm going to explain why that is actually important. Um, do you mind if I go off my shit? Um, I don't mind. I don't know if you want to use it for a hook for round two. Okay. Um, your your call, because you're on a clock. I am on a clock, and it's already almost an hour. Okay, so I'm going to blue ball all of you and say we will hold <laughs> off. 
on Shutter Island's real meaning and why it is similar to Histoire du Cinema when we talk next time. Not next time, in like yes. a year or two. Yeah, uh, because uh, Shutter Island moves the fuck on. Um, yeah. So now we can go to... Yeah, great movie. Um, so now uh, we're going to talk about a couple of other masterpieces. Yeah, this is going to be where the argument comes in, I feel like. Um, mm, yep. And it's really a question uh, between, I'm, do you care about the environment or do you care about <laughs> childish entertainment? And you we'll, will see, not, we'll you, see where we land. You will not guilt me into picking the movie that I'm not going to pick. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I can be pretty guilty and gu- guilt creating. Yes, but I can also be pretty callow. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's talk about the callowest movie on the list. Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> uh, our second matchup, uh, the 44 seed Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, released in 1981, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by uh, Lawrence Kasdan, starring Harrison Ford, Karen, Al- uh, Karen Allen, Paul Freeman, Ronald Lacey, John Rice davies and Denim Elliott. $20 million budget, $389 million take, five out of nine at the Oscars. Mostly tech awards because the stunts and second unit shit on this movie is amazing. Um, and uh, you could say that it's got like a long cultural tale, right? Yeah. Are you asking sarcastically or are you... I am asking sarcastically. Okay. This is I, I could not tell the vibe for a moment. Versus the 213 C Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind released in 1984. Directed by Hayao Miyazaki. Written by Hayao Miyazaki. Adapted from Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind by Hayao Miyazaki. Starring uh, Sumi Shimamoto, Goro Naya, Yoji Matsuda, Yoshiku Sakakibara, and Iematsu Kayumi. I hope I got all Make of Make sure right. you say the English dubbing actors, too, because we were both shocked by oh, this I, last night. I, I, I didn't list those, sadly. I don't have, my, I don't have them at the ready. So, uh, one hundred in, in, oh, in well, the English ahead, dub, I'm just going to say it. It stars Alison Lohman, Patrick Stewart, Shia LaBeouf, Uma Thurman, Chris Sarandon, and Edward, Edward James Omos. That's insane. Um, yeah, it's also got Frank Welker and Tress McNeil in smaller parts. Which, like, well, hey, let's also Frank, just get them Frank in here while we're at it. Frank Welker plays the fucking little little animal, right? The little fox dude? Yeah. I mean, hey, yeah. King, we love him. Frank uh, Welker yeah, is yeah. great. Yeah, Frank, Frank Welker rules. Uh, 180 million yen budget for the film. 1.49 billion yen take for this, for, for, for this Hayao Miyazaki's second film. Uh, coming five years after Castle Cog- uh, the Castle of Cogliostro. Just a very good movie that I think is underrated, I just want to say. That's a great movie. That's a great action movie. Um, yeah. So now what I'm doing is I'm making a big show out of taking off the gloves off my hand that has no gloves. Because I've been saving up my vetoes all show for this. Oh, God. I think Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's not my favorite It's film. a mediocre film. I think it's a perfect film. That is, I think it is fucking a, insane. I think it is a perfect cinematic object. I think it's, it's a great a three-star movie. That's insane. No, it's... I, <sighs> I think that it's really easy to take a movie like this for granted because almost every action-adventure sort of light entertainment film since then, even its own sequels, has tried... And failed to capture lightning in a bottle again. The second unit work in this film is some of the best second unit work I've seen in a, in a movie. Um, I think, weirdly, the worst part of this movie is Harrison Ford. 
Like this movie, Don, this movie made it dawn on me that it's like I like Harrison Ford. He's a great presence in a film. He's got a very specific, easygoing charisma. I don't think he's like a great actor or anything, but I think he's like a perfect kind of presence to anchor this kind of film. This movie is cast incredibly well. It looks beautiful. It's, I mean, if you don't get an immediate hard on when you hear John Williams's music, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> It's like, listen, I know a lot of people don't like Star Wars, and I think those movies are all right. But if you don't immediately get hard when you start hearing, like, the Star Wars fanfare, I don't know what to tell you. You gotta check your pulse, man. That's, like, there's just, there's something about it. John Williams is good at what he does, is what I'm trying to say. I think it's one of these movies. I I realize I'm not letting you talk because, you know, I want to get in while the getting's good. This is on purpose. I think this is one of these sort of Nexus movies where it's like, it's like, uh, it's like Lethal Weapon or something where it's like, there are movies before this movie and there are movies after this movie. It's a juggernaut in every sense of the word. And I like, we had the same bucking discussion when we talked about Temple of Doom, about how I thought it was. We did not talk about Temple of Doom. We talked about, oh, uh, we Last talked Crusade. about, uh, Last Crusade, right. Cause Temple of Doom's not on this list. So. Uh, we did, had the same exact conversation when we talked about uh, Last Crusade, where I was praising it as this great entertainment device, and you were like, eh. But this is this is a pure hit of it, and this time I didn't eat any bad Chinese food. That's true. Uh, so your judgment will not be clouded. No. I I like I think, <laughs> and th- this is a kind. Of, this is a movie that makes Jaws, which came out like six years prior, look kind of. It makes it look like, like leaden. Oh, and that's Jaws is, horse shit and, right there. Like Jaws, here's the thing. Jaws rules. Don't, don't get me wrong. Jaws owns bones. But this, this is a fucking movie. This <laughs> is a fucking movie. I've said my piece. You may, you may dissent. This movie's fine. I, like... <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. Uh, like, here's what I'll say. I agree with you that it is like a Nexus film. Like you said, like, like every film after this in this genre is influenced by this. There's, there's nothing after it that doesn't either actively go against it or take from it. Problem it is, is the ne- it is the nay plus ultra of this. So like what good movies came out of that? <laughs> like, like what good movies are in the action adventure film genre? Like, like like Journey to the Mysterious Island. I like that quite a bit. It's it's got it's got Dwayne the Rock Johnson riding a giant bumblebee with Michael Caine. That's that's better than anything in the Raiders of the Lost Ark, let's be honest. But not the point right now. The point is like like there's I can't think of any like action adventure films that at least in this style, in this tradition, where I'd be like, Oh, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. I, I'm so it excited. It doesn't matter. Uh, like it national, I'd, matters I'd, not. We we I mentioned National Treasure last time. I'm gonna mention it again this time. National Treasure is a better movie than Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like in That's every measure, asinine. It's just it's just better. It's it's more fun. Kate Cage is a better actor than Ford, but that's all I'm willing to give you. There's more good jokes. There's more intrigue. There's like more layers. Um, there's not like layers and sort of like 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 a deep meaning, but like there's more like storytelling beats going on. It's got a really good villain. It's got, um, is it Justin Bartha? Is that right? Belloc's a great villain. I mean, here's what, here's what I'm saying. Is that Raiders of the Lost Ark didn't stir anything within me. I was like, the entire time I was watching, I was like, oh yeah, this is fine. I remember seeing this movie before. I like this more than The Last Crusade. Because like, 
I like the color palette more. It's not as dreary and depressing. Um, it's the same palette. No, it, it's 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 less of that like pale. It's sun bleached grossness. Okay, but like there's there's a difference between like seep like fake sepia and real sepia, and this has more of the real sepia vibe to it. I can't even really explain it, but just there's such a different vibe in my in my view, and especially like like the trek through the desert in both of them is so different. And uh, yeah, in, okay, in I'll give you that. And I just think that like these movies don't do much for me. Like 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 if I were, if we're going Steven Spielberg, <sighs> this is like not even halfway up the list to me. That ah, uh, are you like Amistad better or whatever? <laughs> um, I mean, hold, I'm, we're gonna if we want to do this, I will pull up his filmography. I, we no, can have no, no, we don't have time. I'm, we definitely have time to do this. Okay. So here's some films I think are by Steven Spielberg. I think are better than Raiders. I'm not going to rank. I'm just going to list them off. Is that cool? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jaws. I, get, I mean, I could see why. Yeah. Um, I don't Empire think so, but I get it. I haven't seen it. A Jurassic Park, hundred percent. I mean, you, you got a history film. with Jurassic Park. You got a history with Jurassic Park. The Lost World, Jurassic Park. That's insane. What? AI, artificial intelligence. I haven't seen it. Minority Report. I haven't seen it. <laughs> Catch me if you can. I know he's okay. I think that like that that movie's all so right. So is this movie. Like a, War uh, of the Worlds. War of the Worlds, Munich, um, and the rest of the things he's made since then are shitty, so who cares? But uh, Bridge, that's Bridge a lot of, of movies. Anyone? I didn't see it. I don't care. That movie rules. It's later period like Steven Spielberg. He's just like doing boring lib shit. I don't care. I, I saw part of the post and I saw Ready Player One. I did my due diligence. And I saw Indiana Jones I mean, the Temple of the Crystal in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That sucked ass. That movie is better than people say this it's not great but it's okay, all right sure i mean it's 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 listen i mean you know the ark of the covenant melting off the faces of nazis is not that much more ridiculous than like like fucking ancient aliens or whatever yeah but to be fair like the one is practical effects the one is cgi and not to be that's like that true. person that's part but of it the does make a big why... difference yeah i mean it's true i mean i don't think that's like a secret masterpiece or anything i do think it's better than people give it credit for okay i mean there's a there's a lot of daylight between how people think of that movie and decent, so I think you got a lot of room to work there. Yeah. Um, um, but we will talk about Jurassic Park later on. Yeah, um, that's a good movie that I only saw in my a, late twenties. If, if we're talking about perfect films, Jurassic Park is a perfect film. Raiders of the Lost Ark is fine. I think <laughs> Jurassic Park is very very good. <laughs> there's not a single moment I would change Jurassic Park, and I watched it fucking twenty three times in a row. That is not an exaggeration, yeah, that, people listening. No, no, that, that was true. For, that was for like a, that was for like a project, right? Yeah. Well, and I didn't end up writing anything on it. I was like, I'm gonna write like like a film diary of like what each viewing is like, and then I didn't do it because like halfway through, I was like, this, this is exhausting. I just need to like make make it through as like a like a testament to the fact that I could do it, but I'm not going to like keep doing this project that is making me miserable as I do it. Anyways, Raiders <laughs> Lost Ark is fine. Um, like, it's, like like there's a lot of things to like in it. Um, I think a lot it's of like it's, real like dead air, and nah, no. that thing is tight. No, Jaws is a tight movie. Raiders Lost Ark is dead air. I mean, they're they're literally out to sea talking about shit for a while. I mean, yeah, that's not dead air. That's to me, fun, but like, I mean, I know I know like fun is what I would. Okay, okay, I would say, say it's, anyway, it's invigorating and like gripping. Whereas most we've of got, most of Raiders Eyes kind of like fell off on. We are literally going to talk about Jaws in like a few episodes. Okay. So, yes. Okay. So. The point is, I think The Raiders of Lost Ark is a mediocre film from a very mediocre franchise. Listen, I'm just like, 
the franchise, I can't really attest to the whole thing, but Raiders is like, like if I had to show a space alien what a movie was, this would be one of the ones. I th- we, we said that a lot. We've got space aliens got a lot of movies to watch when they come here and talk to us. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that's, that's the price of doing business with us. <laughs> I was like, Hey, while you're here, let's watch entrails of a virgin. Let's, let's see what's going on here. Just so they- know, is that, a, is that like a central cinema we show to aliens? I I'm, I think that it's the best Penku film I've seen. Either that, or, either that, or uh, Lolita: Vibrator Torture, which is a much better film than that title. I've gotten so used to saying that title that I forget how awful it is. Um, Those are three words I never want to see together. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's a it's a really genuinely want- like like touching and like gr- almost like grotesquely touching film about like neoliberal alienation in nineties Japan. But like two of those movies, like two of those in words, I don't even want to see by themselves. <laughs> So I'll let you guess which two. So now let's talk about audience. a film that I think is very. Let's talk about a film that I think is very very good. Okay, it's a film that won up in my estimation on rewatch. I will say, I, I think it's stayed about the same place for me, but I have a sort of a renewed appreciation for it. Let's talk about Nausicaa: The Valley of the Wind. Um. So yeah, this is sort of um, this is like textbook Hayao Miyazaki film. Fucking gorgeous vistas. Uh, sort of a, a pacifist environmental kind of bent. Guns look cool, but cause all kinds of pain and heartache. Uh, or I guess in this case, warships. Well, guns um, too. There, there's some. There's some guns. There's some guns. Uh, it's kind of still an action movie. It's it's still kind of like it's it makes a it's lot. It's got of like an escape from a, pl- after. from a plane. So yeah, it's got it's got great action set pieces. The uh the 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 creature and flora design is really really good. Yeah. Um beautiful. And uh, so what's this movie about? It's like so our title character, Nasca, the like we don't have to fucking explain what Indiana Jones is. You know what the fuck Indiana Jones is, okay? okay. Let's talk about Nasca. So you're saying it's tr- like Indiana Jones is trite and played out. Gotcha. So Nasica. No, I'm saying that it's fucking <laughs> like iconic. I'm saying that's fucking Hey everyone, watch this iconic like, movie. It is iconic. You li- like listen. <laughs> you call out that which you call out that which you hate. I know why you're using the word iconic, but I'm not going to fucking let you up. <laughs> Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Yes. Uh, Nausicaa. She lives in a valley. There's wind in it. Um, the <laughs> the end. most of the earth most of the earth is being sort of overrun by like uh, insects and toxins, basically. A toxic forest. Uh, yeah. Toxic Forest, yes. What's it called? The Sea of... Um, what's it called? Not In the, the dub version, they just call sea. it the, the Toxic Forest. So Okay. Whatever. And that's what I watched this um, time because I didn't want to like directly look at it the entire time because I had a lot of other shit to do. Toxic Jungle. Uh, I, w- I watched the uh, I watched the subs. Uh, it's this uh, Sea of Trees. No, that's a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's a um, very different movie. But, uh, do you want me to explain so, the plot of Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind? Yeah, because it, it's, it's kind of... Uh, there's a lot happening in this plot. It's kind of busy. So, um, there's Nausicaa, and she is the princess for uh, this place, the Valley of the Wind. And there are two other nations, essentially, in the film. Um, which are, uh, There's Pajit, uh, and there is someone that starts with a T, uh, Tolmechian. Tolmechia. And essentially, one day, uh, when she after she's returned from her uh, trip to the forest uh, to get some supplies, they have a gunship that crashes nearby and it crashes because it was covered in like the bugs that uh all come out of the forest if you use guns anywhere near it to try to kill you um there's the index the yeah the insects get pissed yeah um and in the crash there is a pajit princess and she basically says burn burn everything in that ship and then she dies and the reason she said that 
is because it turns out in that ship is an embryo of a giant warrior, which are like essentially the one of the things that caused the destruction of the Earth. It's like a, almost like a like a organic mech, I, I might say something yeah, along those lines. Yeah. But not like an Ava. No, no, no. It's but you it's get a lot to, gloppier than an Ava. You get to see yeah, its whole face glop off of it, which is pretty pretty dope. But most of these movies have a lot more sort of gross, like EC horror shit than I remember. Yeah. And uh, the Tomekian troops come uh, to retrieve that, uh, that giant and essentially take over the value of the wind. And basically Nausicaa's goal is to stop that from happening and to uh, stop specifically uh, the Omu, uh, which are the, the largest of the bugs, are coming to more or less destroy the valley and uh, all of the people there. And they're going to have a fight with the giant uh, you know, weapon and her goal is to stop it essentially. Like that, that's a short version of it. There's a lot of like intricacies and intrigue that goes on in there, but that's more or less a plot. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. It's like a high fantasy action adventure, political intrigue kind of deal. Yeah. It's fair. It's, I think both these movies are very, very dorky in, ve- in like kind of similar ways, except one is kind of calling back to like, uh, like, you know, old action serials, and the other one is calling back to, like, the dorkiest fantasy manga. <laughs> I mean, okay. So, I have a lot to say about Nausicaa, The Eye of the Wind. Here, here's where I'll start, is that okay. when I watched it the first time, I was like, oh, that's like a rough draft for Princess Mononoke. And I don't ah, think that's accurate anymore. I don't think it's accurate. Nah. Nah, yeah, I, I would go with your 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 new assessment. Yeah, uh, like there, there are parallels because yeah, it's the, a the theme film, but. is very similar. Just the theme is we have to stop essentially the destruction of the Earth, and there are ways to do that that are not just killing everyone. And it's, it's set in, in a world that is dying because of a toxin, because of like this evil thing coming out of the forest, or not even necessarily an evil thing, a thing that is killing part of the world coming out of the forest. And what I'll say is that their aesthetics and their general vibe are so vastly different that now I would consider them pretty far separate. Um, I mentioned to you that Nausicaa is basically um, Arzak, the um, uh, Mobius comic. Have you ever read that? Mm. Uh, no, you mentioned that it was a Mobius comic, but not which one. Yeah, so it's so Ar- Arzak because A, the glider is almost the exact fucking same. Like it's organic in Arzak and it's inorganic in Nausicaa, but the glider she uses and the like scenery she flies over looks almost exactly the same. Uh, there's a lot of really good wordless sections in both of them. Uh, just like the vibe of it is like these large, empty, open spaces seen from above. Um, these massive creatures in those spaces. The sense that this is a like like a world bigger than you can conceive of. Almost like, there's just so much to this world that just extends forever in its like emptiness. Like have you ever seen like like what if the the movie Heavy Metal was actually just like a slow cinema film? is basically how Arzak feels and how parts of Nausicaa feel. Weirdly, my reference point was uh, Fantastic Planet. I mean, that's also true, yeah. It's also got this sort of, um, these great sort of uh, flora and fauna designs that are sort of vaguely psychedelic and vaguely sort of heavy metal-ish. Uh, and also the name of the humans in that uh, in that movie are Ohms, which I think, I don't know if that's like sort of a direct on-purpose reference, but uh, that's that's what it made me think of. The name for the big fucking bugs is also the name for the humans in Fantastic Planet. Um, I, th- I think they're they're both related to like the Buddhist term Om, if I had to guess. Oh. Um, but um, the 
Um, the other reference point I had is actually Wizards, the Raw Faction film. Um, especially like, uh, like which I haven't seen, but it's been on my watch list forever. It's I haven't seen it for a long time, but especially like the, just the iconography of it just reminded me of it. But the essential point of this film is that there are ways to live with the jungle, and right. there's like a non-toxic area below the toxic area that is. Like you can live there basically forever. Like it is, has all the water. It has like plenty of food. Has all this stuff you could go towards. But people are so devoted to like their their warlike ways, much like in Princess Mononoke, that they can't see it. They can't like reach for it, and they need someone else to like show them. And what what it requires is a sacrifice. And Nausicaa dies to save everybody, which is a kind of terrifying scene because he's just getting, she gets fucking run over. Yeah, she by, gets flung. By thousands of these giant, like, like larger than like a building size bugs. They're about the size of, yeah, they would be the size of like an office building. Like a, like a, like, or a school. Let's yeah. go to school. Yeah. And it just, just thousands of them run into it. A little girl, basically a teenage girl, let's say. Yeah. And, so the vibe's totally different, and I will, I will. Here's what I'll say in in praise of this film is that I, you know, some of us in this podcast, we like animals <laughs> and we like nature. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I know that those things don't really do much for you, Derek. But for me, seeing <laughs> seeing a little girl like save a baby ohm or try to save a baby ohm from her father. And everyone else in her community when she's a child is heartbreaking and like, like like sets up the rest of her character so well. And I feel like I'm a bit inarticulate talking about this film because so much of it just hit viscerally more than it was anything else. I'm going to try to like be more articulate when we talk about Princess Mononoke, which I think is a better film, but brings up many of the same feelings. I would agree. Which is um, like feeling a sense of yourself in the other in the other of the wild in the other of the environment and realizing the environment is not separated from you. You are not here's people and here's the environment. It's like, no, you are part of the whole thing. It's all one big world. Not to be like, it's, it's here's the problem is that new age has made this shit sound so cliche. Like we're all one bro, but like we are. <laughs> and uh, you're not in traffic. You are traffic. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, it, it does anything I'm saying makes sense at all. Well, no, I get it. And you say you're inarticulate, but you're way more articulate about your defense of Nausicaa than I was about fucking Indiana Jones. No, like, I think you you better place Indiana Jones in a cultural context, whereas I'm just kind of like, oh, nature, dude, have you, like, hugged a tree? It's actually... It, I mean, it is, nice. it is hippie shit, but it's not hippie shit to its detriment, you know? <laughs> yes, yes, I think that that is true. And I will, the thing I will say about Princess Mononoke that I prefer, I mean, a lot of it, like, one is I think the animation is better better action better action um better character work in general like i think nausicaa is a strong character and um the one print the other princess is a really nausicaa nausicaa comes fully formed out of the box perfect yeah she has an she has a little arc but it's not a big arc like nausicaa's right the whole time the end yeah um but uh i also like like the the uh princess kushana who like has the arm that she can take off I think she. I think she's a better character than Nausicaa. Better character than what? Than Nausicaa. I think she's a more complicated character, but um, um, 
uh, uh, and also, and also I think that Princess Monoke sees a value in violent resistance that this film doesn't necessarily see. This this film does like not, again like, like, Monoke is far angrier. Yeah, it's 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 a lot more it's a lot angrier. This film feels like compared to like especially considering this is the same guy who did something as like thorny as The Wind Rises. This feels kind of kiddie-ish, but it's not a kiddie film. It has it's I guess it has like a naivete. But again, not yeah. to its detriment. I I can definitely see that where it's like like I think I think further Miyazaki films like it makes sense this is his second film. Um second directorial effort because a lot of this is still very it's very moving and very like, beautiful and sweeping, but it's not as complicated as he would later become. Even in something like like Spirited Away, like uh, the the main villain character, what's her name? Uh, the Big Head. I want to say Ursula, but that's not it. That's not it. Um, either way. Uh, let me look it up. It doesn't really matter. Everyone knows what we're talking about. <laughs> Point is that like she's a complicated figure. Uh, yeah. Like like she has so many different layers going on there. Like she is obviously doing something that is wrong. But she's also Baba Ganoush. <laughs> Yubaba. Yubaba, that's it. Um, but she's also the mother of this whole community of people. Like she keeps right. them safe in a lot of ways, and she directs them and tells them what to do. And it, people clearly have respect for her, and not just because she's terrifying. Like they clearly respect her as a like person. And mm-hmm. she has this care for this giant baby, <laughs> and she has. Um, <laughs> the big baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always fucked up, man. He's so good. Um, we're talking about it later it's great. on, right? It's amazing. I we it's got to be on this. I think list. we were talked about it, and we like already moved it forward. I feel. Yeah, it beat um, it beat a Wednesday, which was one of the sort of oh yeah, uh, one of the w- sort of random uh, Indian films that we saw. But like like later, what point is I'm making is that later on, um, Ghibli in general and like Miyazaki specifically would have more of those complicated things going on. Whereas, like you're saying, because Na- what- feels a little bit naive, where like people who are good are good. And people who are bad are mostly bad, but they probably have some good parts to them as well. I think, like, funny enough, the most complicated characters are, like, the bugs. Uh, yeah. Um, so, because it, it goes Cagliostro, Nausicaa, Castle in the Sky, Totoro, and Totoro is, like... I think that's, this what, that's when like he's finally of, there. That's, like, he crystallizes that kind of, like, abstract... Because that movie's kind of naive, but it's also complicated as well. And then he follows that up with, I think, Poco Rosso. Which is a little bit more of a mature film. Mm-hmm. It's one of the Ghibli's that kind of get lost, lost in the cracks. But that's like a film about you know fucking fucking like war and shit. It's a PG movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I think okay. So can, all right, so I have heard your impassioned defense. You want to move in Indiana Jones forward? Is that is that fair? I think like okay. Well, again, like I said, Indiana Jones is kind of like it's a corny movie. It's kind of a naive film too. I mean. I mean, yes, I get it. Uh, does it make sort of a strong political stance? No. Not much beyond Nazis bad, which we can agree on. Yes. Um, uh, I mean, I think, like, this, Indiana Jones is not a film that has themes much beyond Nazis bad. Um, I mean, isn't one of his themes colonialism? <laughs> I mean, yes, it's all, yes, it's about the plundering of the ancient world for parts in a museum. Yes, we all understand this. That being said, <laughs> I, I think uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind is a fantastic piece of work. But I will reiterate that I think that Raiders of the Lost Ark is perfect. Here's what I'll say. Is, oh, 
Jeez. Okay. So, our, 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 I mean, I obviously think Nausicaa is so much better. And Nausicaa, like, right. I find moving. And, like, Indiana Jones, like... Indiana Jones feels a lot like Lethal Weapon 3. Where it's like, ah, eh, there's definitely some stuff I, I mean, like in awesome. there. Okay. Actually, no, you're right. Lethal Weapon 3 is way better than Indiana Jones. <laughs> um, what's a better That's comparison? Um, like, Lucky Number Slevin. I don't know why I keep bringing up that movie. What the fuck? <laughs> what like, the fuck? Like, Lucky Number Slevin's pretty good. Like, if I'm seeing it on TV, I'll be like, oh, okay, let's watch Is it fucking film school in a box? Probably not. I'm just saying that, <laughs> like, if we're talking m- movies in this style, I mean, hell, Romancing the Stone is better. Um, Crocodile Dundee but is it's, better. That's, you just keep saying shit. <laughs> part of it is you to annoy you. Words. Part of it is because I think it's true. <laughs> I don't know which part is which. I do think that I, I would prefer to watch both those movies rather than watching Indiana Jones. I think Romancing the Stone is more kind of deliberately comic and playing off of that kind of movie. I think that Michael Douglas is a better actor than Harrison Ford, but whatever. Okay. Like, eventually we'll have to, eventually we'll have to fucking reckon with Harrison Ford kind of being a null presence. But the fact that he's a null presence works in this movie. I thought you were going to say eventually we have to reckon with Paul Hogan. I was like, I mean, okay. I don't don't think we have to reckon with Paul Hogan. Um, He's apparently a dick. But uh, Crocodile Dundee? I don't doubt that for a second. Good flick. Recommended. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I I am... No, I am I am grabbing... I am very dramatically grabbing the sides of my desk and fucking boring holes into my monitor with my eyes like Indiana Jones goes on. And I will call down a veto from the veto gods to bring the score down two to one. How bad do you want it, Isabel Arf? So you're saying that you were going to put in a veto to move Indiana Jones forward? That is correct. I think it's worth it. Okay, so then my question becomes, am I going to veto back? Because you have more vetoes, so if you really want to win this one, you will win this one. I'm one up on you, yeah. Yes. Then I have two questions. question is, do I want to use all of my vetoes? Exactly. <laughs> question is, okay, do you want to use multiple vetoes in this? Number two, do I have things in the future that I know or assume I'm probably going to have to use a veto for? Let, let's look at the bracket really quick. Sure. Metagaming, metagaming, people love this shit. Okay, so... Uh, um, are any yeah. of these real close? I mean, uh, you don't you don't love Donnie Darko, so that's not going to be an issue. No. There might be a couple, but nothing that I'm like... Vertical Jurassic Park is going to be really interesting. Yeah, that, that's, that's one I was thinking about, specifically. Um, let's see... We already moved to Hitchcock on... I mean, but it's Vertigo. And Doctor Strange Love versus Memories of Murder is something. That's interesting, but I don't. I'm not super concerned about it. Yeah. Um, Taxi Driver, come and see. That's also gonna be. That's two fucking great films. Oh. Okay. Interesting. So I still have not seen Come and See. Your multi-year project to get me to watch Come and See is gonna. <laughs> it's happen. gonna be culminated at some point in the future. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's like Star Wars Jaws, and I think it's. Um, uh, Vertigo Jurassic Park. Yeah. I think those are the two big ones. Okay. So I will, you can have this one. I'll let your veto move us forward. Excellent. I am thrilled. It hurts a little bit because now I'm going to have to fucking watch that movie again. It'll be fine. It'll be, it'll be okay. <sighs> you make it sound like such a fucking <laughs> chore. Parts of it are a slog. I'll say. Oh no. I have to watch fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark again. Boo fucking That's kind you. of how you I feel no a little sim- bit. You get no sympathy like, uh, from me. I could be like watching a movie I know I won't like instead. Which is what I prefer to do with my time. I could be watching Gotti again. <laughs> uh, the, the John Travolta Gotti? Yeah, I could watch it a second time. 
But why would you watch it the first time? Because I hate myself, Derek. We know this. Come on now. Let's not. <laughs> I like to torture uh, myself with films. I thought films were supposed to be fun. No, they're supposed to be miserable. That's why you watch movie 42 or whatever that fucking thing is. Movie 43, there which we go. is the yeah. worst film I've ever seen. That's like the real answer to what's the worst movie I've ever seen. It's, it's, movie it's real fucking bad. Like it, it's, it's the worst film I've ever seen. Here's what I'll say. It's not as bad as inappropriate comedy. Have I seen that? I know that's like in our in our group. That's like the Sham Wow guys sketch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh boy, what a like, horrible thing. I, to I hear. remember. I remember it Rob being Schneider's in it around our group, but I don't think I don't if I don't remember if I have actually seen it. There's a part where um, uh, I know our, what you're going our, to say. The I amazing know what you're racist. Going to say. No, I thought you were going to say Flirty Harry. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love that too. But there's a part <laughs> where, where where Ari Shafir um, does it. Does Ari bit Shafir, good lord. Where it's like the amazing race, but it's the amazing racist. And he does a bunch of racist things and has, and has a bunch of black actors he paid do other racist things. And it's, it's hysterical. I love it. You know me. I, it's... <laughs> No, it's one of the worst things I've ever fucking seen in my entire life. Um, but Flirty Harry, now that's a bit. Adrian Brody, he's, you, you cannot say that Adrian Brody does not commit. I mean... Even when he's pretending to be Rastafarian and gets permanently banned from SNL, he, oh boy. he goes is that it. Is that for real? Yes. Oh, oh I'm, I'm going to insert the audio clip right here just so people can hear it. But I'm going to oh, link God. you to it as well. Um, you can watch it after we're done. Okay, I will. So, a uh, a matchup of titans next time. And I don't say that lightly because Scorsese v. Spielberg, Shutter Island versus Raiders of the Lost Ark in round two, a combat of titans. Like titans of industry, the industry being film. Um, well, we got, we got, we got through it. Yeah, and we're only at an hour and a half in. Yeah, so we're doing great. Like, we're we're killing time. That's time. not how you say it. Yeah, we're killing. Well, we're we're making good time. We're playing the Miranda Lambert song, "Killing Time." We're watching this Hafty Brothers film, "Good Time." Um, we're, we're listening to the podcast for the a good film, time "Killing of a Chinese Bookie." <laughs> Um, I hear that's a good movie. Uh, never seen it. Never gonna see it. I'm fine. I oh, will probably oh, never see a Cassavetes film in my entire life. That's a Ben's, that's Ben Gazzara, right? Uh, Isn't that? Probably. That sounds right to me. You know what movie Ben Gazzara is really good in? Most of them. Roadhouse. Oh, that, uh, okay. Uh, that movie should be on this list. I'm sorry. And also, let's talk I about other why. reasons I fucking hate Chuck Klosterman. Like, oh my god. Uh, wait. Wait, does, Cla- does Chuck Klosterman not like Roadhouse? Okay, so here's the thing. Okay, this is how we're going to wrap up the show, folks. Yes. So, um, I, I should say, I should say, being a uh, a white gentleman uh, uh, in his early to mid thirties, uh, I used to own, or currently own, I'm not sure, a copy of Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs somewhere in my in my shelf. I'm not sure. I think I got rid of all the Klosterman. Yeah, Steph says she got rid of all the Klosterman. There was only the Thank one. Thank you. You're a hero. What was the other one? What would the other one have been? I know I did. Wasn't Fargo Rock City? No, that's no. Ooh, no, gross. I never. Was it? Was it? Was I it IV? 
No. Eating the dinosaur? No. You're just rattling these these off like someone who used to read them. Yeah. Imagine. It, was, it, <laughs> was it the novel he wrote? No. No, I think it was just Extraction Cocoa Puffs. Um, so, so yeah. So, what's your bit about Chuck Klosterman and Roadhouse? So, Chuck Klosterman has this... <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, I have a history with him, and I think you do too, Isabel. Yeah. Uh, we talked about... Um... The five out al- no the five the five album test is Stephen Hyden that's not Chuck Klosterman no but but I but I did mention the whole thing about how I sent in that email to I don't even know on television about how Chuck Klosterman made me a communist by hating his opinion so much that's right but here's another thing about Chuck Klosterman I hate I can just list a bunch of those off if we want to talk about his fucking review of the Two Yards album and how fucking terrible it is yeah that was that, that was, was real that bad. was like the tipping point that was his yeah that was when I jumped uh, on that was his war on drugs, suck my cock moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Chuck Washington has this theory that Roadhouse is not a good movie because it's a good movie. It's a good movie because it creates an interesting alternate universe where we have to conceive of things in a certain way. Like, he's not able to just say, hey, Roadhouse fucking owns. He has to, like, construct this whole fucking meta narrative so he doesn't feel dumb for thinking that Roadhouse owns. And it is super embarrassing. It's really tough to listen to, to read rather because the entire time you're like, you can just say that you like Roadhouse. Like you don't have to do this. Like you can just be like, hey, Roadhouse is a dope ass movie. Patrick Swayze owns. I love the yeah. idea of a fucking like philosophy like major who is now a, what do you call it? A bouncer in this a dive bouncer, bar. Yeah. A, co- a cooler if one wants to yeah. be specific. It's awesome. It's just an awesome movie. But instead he has to over-intellectualize it because weirdly Chuck Klosterman cannot let anyone think he's stupid but he can't let anyone think he likes smart things because if you so much as say like oh rat wasn't a very good band he'll tear your head off because oh like rat was so much more like popular than the ramones were so when johnny ramone died why do people get sad about that but they didn't get sad when this person no one's heard of from rat died isn't that a weird double standard because rat's clearly more important and you're just like oh my god shut the fuck up dude like this is ridiculous and he do you have any hot takes about rat they're fine. <laughs> They're fine. Round and round's all right. You know, yeah, round, round <laughs> my parents round's, probably round's listen. Cool. I, I feel, feel like they, they had that one really uh, uh, um, controversial album cover. Um, maybe. I, like, like, I, usually, like, when I think hair bands with uh, hair bands with controversial covers, I usually think of Scorpions and Poison. I'm thinking of the one that that's that's, that's, that's like a let's like a, a buzz saw coming out of someone's dick. No, that's uh, that's uh, that's wasps uh, animal fuck like a beast. <laughs> Thank you, much appreciated on that on that assist there, Derek, for something that uh, no one else knows what we're talking about, Derek. Because I just I, I just recently watched uh, Decline of Western Civilization Part Two, so I had that right in the front of Hell my brain. Yeah. Whereas I just recently listened to um, You're Wrong About Had uh, a couple episodes on the PMRC, which is real good. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you get to hear a lot of a lot of D Snyder talking, and it's. Turns out D. Snyder, pretty smart guy. We all knew this because we all saw like I Love the 80s or whatever, where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, here's D. Snyder talking about stuff and he, he doesn't sound like an idiot, which is apparently a revelation we have to have every fucking 10 years. Be like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe Marilyn Manson could say some smart things to uh, Michael Moore and then also <laughs> be doing some awful things at the same time that we learned about yep. later. But yeah, it turns out uh, like every every 10 years we have to discover that actually musicians are smart, which is fascinating. Yeah, I'll, I'll listen to like fucking um, Nikki Six or whatever talk shop. I don't care. 
Uh, all that to say, so what was your point about Chuck Klosterman is just that he over-intellectualizes liking Roadhouse? Um, is that he is overly pretentious about things he doesn't have to be and underly pretentious about things he should be more pretentious about. He, he's, he's fake in both ways. He's never... He's fake in... He's never authentic. And, like, I know that that is some fucking 90s bullshit. I get it. Like, no one's authentic. Ooh, like, I wrote a whole fucking, like, thing about why I love Sophie when she uh, died. R.I.P. Fucking... I'm still almost tearing up about that. But that's rough, man. Yeah, real fucking rough. But like Chuck Osman makes a real thing about him being like a hair metal guy and like, you know, just a guy from the Midwest, like just like a real guy. But oh, then, this is like some Midwest shit too, where it's like fucking yeah. settle down. Yeah. And he's you're you're not just like a dude, like you're a dude who writes about music and pop pop culture for a living, who got to interview Bono and who did a really creepy interview with Britney Spears that I don't know why he allowed to be published because it is very like it makes him clearly look like a fucking asshole. You're not just like some dude. That's all I'm saying. It's like just be honest about the fact you're not just some dude. The end. Chuck Klosterman, this is a call out. <laughs> if you listen to this. <laughs> Chuck Klosterman, come on the show. Chuck Klosterman, you're rich, so there's no way you're listening to this. You're probably hanging out with uh, uh, James Murphy or whatever. He's <laughs> remember that part of, of "Shut Up and Play the Hits." We're, well, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen the movie. Oh, I've listened to the I listened to the live record a bunch, but I haven't seen the the, the doc about it. Yeah, no, uh, the, like it has Chuck Klosterman interviewing him in different segments. It's the worst part of it, by, like, far. It should have just been... By a country mile? Yeah, like, it should have just been the fucking concert. Concert, uh, not to make this... Not to, like, sort of give our audience further blue balls about... Uh, towards, like, the end of the show. But Costerman shows up in a bunch of podcasts that I listen to. And he's consistently the most unimaginative, uninsightful, and dull person talking about whatever it is they're talking about. Imagine that. It's usually that. movies and music. He's like fucking Max Landis. Um, <laughs> oh, you ever, you ever see... This is, this is a deep cut for people who I'm not even really like they're a very very popular YouTube thing. But if you ever seen like the Red Letter Media uh, Best of the Worst episode with Max Landis, it is one of the most no. painful things to watch because he keeps trying to make jokes, and he's just completely unnatural at it and just trying to force them in. And clearly everyone else there is like, "Yep." So, anyways, and Max Max Landis has done two things that I like. He there's there's his short about Triple H. And he wrote Chronicle. Chronicle's really That's good. it. That's all I got. I'm just saying that like uh, whoever had connections to John Landis uh, back when <laughs> um, back when Orson Welles was alive and Orson Welles asked them to kill him, <laughs> then they should have just taken the shot. Um, no shit on Orson Welles. I know he was joking or whatever. Okay. I'm not, yeah, not going to besmirch just... Orson Welles, but I will besmirch the good name of... Should I actually talk about what I'm referencing or like at all? Uh, did did, did uh, Orson Welles jokingly call out a hit on John Landis? Yeah. Um, sh- okay, should I actually find this or should I we just cut this? Well, how about this? We'll put it in notes. So guys, Plugs. it's plug time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. God. Every episode, I think we're going to get it together a bit more. And every episode, I, I get to the plugs and I'm like, nope. <laughs> um, if, uh, if you're a fan of gestures vaguely at the last hour and change this. We're sorry. Yeah. Uh, First of all, we're sorry. Second of all, we appreciate your patronage. Third of all, if you want to get in touch, middlebrowmadness at gmail.com. That's our email address. We're not going to get to any fucking emails now, aren't we? No, probably not. God damn it. We will. We swear. We swear. 
Um, you can uh, yell at us about not getting uh, to the emails portion on Twitter. I'm at Derek underscore G. Uh, Isabel is at Space Jam Fan. We're at those. Uh, uh, we're at those same handles on Letterbox as well. Uh, we're both pretty active there. In so far as you know, logging films and whatever. Listen to other shows on the Noise Space XYZ podcast network, including For a Good Time, uh, Isabel's, and my pal G uh, Juan Barquins. No one, no one, no one else calls uh, calls them JV except me. Um, Never said you. Podcast about pornography, etc. Uh, rate us, review us, tell us that we're way too digressive and that we're full of shit. We can't get enough of it. We fucking love it when you insult us. Just know, if you say anything mean to me, I'm going to cancel the podcast immediately. (laughs) Um, And uh, I should actually tease the next... uh, I should actually tease the next pairings for uh, the show, where we are going to be covering The Apartment versus Mission Impossible Fallout and get a load of this. Star Wars versus Jaws. Those are Ouch. widely regarded as good films. If, if, yep. If, All uh, four of them. I've been led to believe, believe correctly. Uh, yes, I know for a fact that all these movies are at least good. They're all they're all bangers, all of them. All of them. Well, well some, uh, some of them might be mash. We'll see. <laughs> this is probably the worst oh. fucking joke ever made. Oh. I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not ashamed of that. But just we, say your name, please. We all make End mistakes. Um, I've been Isabel Arf, and I've been Derek Gane. Have movies and be jolly. <laughs> Have movies, be jolly. Uh, if you want to play Magic the Gathering with me, hit me up on Tumblr. <laughs> Not Tumblr, Twitter. Bye. Good night. <laughs>